The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today, very special guest, four-time AAA tag team champion, AAA cruiserweight champion. I like to call him Mr. 630, one of the greatest high flyers of all time, Mr. Jack Evans. Jack, welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just relaxing at home down in Mexico. What's going on in your world? Like, what have you been up to lately? Not a lot. I just... I just recently got back to uh, getting the grind on on the indies, and then besides that, I just chill at home, stream a bit. Like, yeah, pretty un- uneventful right now. How's your neck? Or was it a neck or was it a concussion? I remember, I think it was no, a GCW it was a concussion. Match. Yeah, a lot of people thought it was my neck. No, my neck was fine. It was a concussion. Yeah, everything it, like checked out. I had to take uh, four weeks off, but. You know, what, safety reasons and everything. I understand. What happened? Did you not get full rotation and landed wrong? Uh, well, when I did it, like, if you look at it, I have the worst form ever because you're supposed to, like, tuck your chin and just be, like, in a tight little ball or whatever. And I'm not, like, I'm, like, extended and, like, it was, it was just the worst form ever on the move. And then, so if you look, when I come around, what is, oh, sorry, I got a little, uh, when I come around, I actually smash my, the back of my head against the mat and that's what got me so i think people thought i spiked myself but it wasn't it was more like a, like yeah like smashing the back of my head yeah i thought it might be a neck i was like oh hopefully you know it's not bad so it was just a concussion everything's okay though just took the four weeks off and you're good yeah yeah so everything's checked out so far so what did you think at that moment were you scared were you nervous something happened uh no, like uh, at the time when I, uh, because I'd like fully blacked out for a good like five seconds or something. So like at the time, like immediately I, when I woke up, like I was confused as to what happened, but I immediately knew, like I was like, I must've gone out because the, I, there was like this flash forward in time or whatever for me. But then in like, yeah, you know, he'd just take the pin, we'd end the match or whatever. But then in the back and everything, I felt absolutely fine. Like 100%, there wasn't any vomiting, anything like that. And then GCW doctor there to check me out. Like, uh, right when I got back there, then 20 minutes later, an hour or an hour later, and like four hours later, so I kept getting checked out by the doc and everything. And like, everything was fine, but it definitely was a concussion because anytime you go unconscious, it's a concussion. Oh man, scary, scary stuff. What happened though with like, you know, you normally tuck, you just weren't paying attention and just and went for it? I don't know. I wasn't blown up or anything. There's no like extracurricular thing affecting me. I just did it like crap. I don't know. I like I have no real reason why. What do you think about Ninja Mac? You like working uh, GCW? You like Ninja Mac? Oh yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he double twists and everything. Yeah, he's I like yeah. I love J G C W as a whole and like Ninja Mac was very enjoyable to wrestle and yeah, I liked it. Did you see some controversy lately with you with people posting some old stuff from ROH? I forget who it was, but he didn't catch you. You landed on the floor. Did you see that online with Cornette responding like talking about it? Oh no. The uh, I didn't know that Cornette responded. I think you're talking about the backflip and a half, right? 
Yeah. Right out to yeah, the floor. Yeah. yeah. Did you, well, you I haven't seen that clip before, but uh, I guess it's, for some reason somebody sent it to Cornette on Twitter. I don't know why, but oh um, no, oh no, yeah. what are you all getting me into? What did he have to say? Oh, that uh, stupid move, blah blah blah. But the thing was, he was in ROH at that point, so we're going back away. So he was there for when it happened. I don't know if he didn't remember he was there when it happened, but um, basically he was like, "Oh, you know, stupid flip, stupid move." Um, Blah, blah, blah. But he didn't mention, I don't think, that it I heard that the guy didn't catch well, it. To call a backflip, a springboard backflip and a half to the outside on one Dangerous, catch, I guess you're saying. It, yeah. it actually was a stupid call. Like, that's something you should save for you have multiple people, at least. And in all honesty, it's just stupid. Even if you're multiple people, it's just a dumb dive. So, like, it, I actually have to agree with him on that. But, yeah, no, the, the it was the stupidest thing about the whole situation was me calling that with just one catcher. So, yeah, he he completely missed you. Yeah, but you know, I, I actually get nothing. Like I wasn't even bruised from that or anything. So I believe I was there for that. I used to go to all the ROH shows, but I think I might have been there for it. It was like, oh shit! Like you, I mean, it was like a splat almost. Like it's, yeah. he completely what, misses you. What sucked about that whole match is that I don't remember. I think I was coming back from Japan or something. I can't remember. I got there literally five minutes before we had to go on. So, like, it was the most rushed match of my life. So, I don't remember everything that happened, but I just remember. I think that's why, like, I called something so stupid like that. It's because I like was quickly trying to think of something impressive I could do. Cause I didn't really have time to think of anything. Because, but, yeah, that, that was a stress-filled match besides that move. I actually didn't get hurt at all on that, though. So, I lucked out there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's funny because I'm not really a big fan of like the high flying stuff, but for some reason, you, I always was like, oh, Jack gets a pass. Like his all, like the stuff you do is amazing. And so I'm always like, oh my god, six thirty or like some of the crazy stuff. Even trying to pull that off, do you get annoyed sometimes that you almost get lumped in with the guys that try to imitate you? You know what I mean? That they can't quite get nail those moves. And you know, and, and constantly you see stuff online where people are like, "Oh, that I hate that style," but you kind of get lumped in there because those guys can't do it as good as you could do. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're trying to say, but I, the one skin, like, uh, I, I think it's actually a fair criticism or a fair uh, what, like, in grouping me with them, like, is totally fair because I mean, there's certain people like a ricochet, I can't go as good as him or whatever. So should I not be lumped in with him as a high flyer? You know what I mean? So there, there's levels to it. And like, you know what I mean? You don't want to be lumped in with like some like low level guy. That's always like, like hurting himself or something. You know, I feel like I've become that guy recently, but, uh, but I don't mind getting lumped into like the whole high flyer category as a whole at all. Cause I mean, I just think it fits. What do you think though about your style in general? Like, how would you like explain it to somebody? You know what I mean? Like, what would you say? That just like innovative high flyer, or what would you call it? Uh, well, way back in the day, like in the ROH days, I would like describe it as like big stunts, big bumps. Like that was uh, like the, you know what I mean. It was really just about trying to find one cool move, one big. So you know what I mean, something that would like get people talking when they bought the DVD or whatever. But now I'd say it's a little bit more like uh, since it, there's, I, I have a lot of like Gucci Libre influence now, but I like kind of use American moves with it. Like I'd kind of call it more of like a Lucha hybrid with the American style. Man, when I used to go to the ROH, it's funny because, you know, ROH fans are kind of used to like Samoa Joe or almost like strong style. And then you get mixed there. It's like, holy shit, this guy is amazing. You're doing 630s. You're off the scramble cage melee thing. You're doing like, I don't even know how many revolutions. It was just crazy. Like, what was just the thought process of putting some of that stuff together? You're just like, I'm going to see what, you know, how many flips I can do or or I'm going to see like how crazy I can get. That is kind of it because, like, at that point, that was like really my niche, you know what I mean? Like, if people were paying for a ticket to see Jack Evans, it was like the car crash scene in a movie or something, you know what I mean? So, there, it was actually kind of that, uh, that mentality where, like, oh, what, like, big stunt or something can I do? Hold on one second, I need to talk to my wife. Yeah, yeah, I'll take Kumana. Oh, thank you. Sorry, sorry, I had to put it in yeah. the dinner order. <laughs> no problem. 
So, like, it's funny, like, think about it. Teddy Hart and you go into ROH at that point. I think he kind of had the bigger name because he was signed to WWE at one point. Obviously, he's, he's a member of the Hart. But you were the guy that everybody's like, whoa, like, check, you know, check out the, uh, this uh, this guy, Jack Evans. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of took the headlines a lot in a lot of those shows. Uh, I would I I definitely got more over on the wrestling side of things, but I did not take the headlines because that main event, uh, what was it, the six man from the Scram, Scramble Cage Madness, I think is what it was called. Yep. But that's the one where Ted, after the match, was doing moonsaults off of the cage and then like cheering to the crowd and everything. Carnage crew came out, like whipped us with the belt, and like I was like, "Not me, not me. This isn't me. Why am I getting whipped?" Like, so that that was the headlines after that show was that whole thing. But my thing is, I just displayed, you know what I mean, like being the first guy to do a double moonsault on the cage or whatever. I got more over on the wrestling side of things, but Ted took all the attention that night. What was up with that, by the way, with him? He's just going, literally going into business for himself, or what? What, what was up with uh, that? Well, he says he had a concussion and like just didn't know what he was doing. So I, I don't know. Maybe it was that, but I, I don't know. It was just such a weird, like, it, there used to be a little bit of footage that you could see. Like, it was like a fan cam or a, a hand cam that was on the floor or whatever. Yep. And you can see me, like, trying to pull him out or whatever. So uh, I don't know what was going on. Like, I don't know what he was thinking or anything. But even in like, I was only a couple years in the business at that point. Even I knew, like, man, this is really, really bad. Like, let's get out of here. And then it turned into a whole incident. But he actually came back one more time after that. And they actually had to give him his own locker room because no one wanted to be in the locker room with him. Wow, that's heat. Real life yeah, heat. That, that was some serious heat. And then, uh, then of course I get stuck in the locker room with the two, and I'm like, oh my god, like, like this just looks bad to the boys. But what do you think though about that being lumped in with him? I mean, did you hate that, or did, were you okay with it? No, I was fine with that. I just take things as they come generally. So, and and I honestly, I think most people knew like that you had to put somebody with him, and who else are you going to put with him other than me? Like so, but no, it was fine. Do you guys still talk? Are you still friends with him or no? Uh, I mean, I'm still friends with him, but I haven't talked with him in years now just because, like, you know, he's still living that Teddy Hart lifestyle, and I'm, like, Mr. Family Man, you know what I mean? Like, reclining. <laughs> you know, I just – so it, it just doesn't – the lifestyle he, like, wants to lead and the lifestyle I want to lead don't fit, so we don't really talk anymore. But there wasn't really, like, a falling out. With that lifestyle, do you love? Do you obviously you got the kids, you got the wife. I mean, you loving that that aspect yeah. and getting away from that party style? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I just like uh, just give me the kids, give me the wife. Do a little bit of wrestling, stream, play a little bit of games. That's I'm one hundred percent content with that. You're a big Twitch guy. Not big, but I I uh, a fair amount. Like it's actually hard for me to stay consistent though. Because uh, in AEW, like right in the middle of the week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you wouldn't even be at home to stream. And then now, like on the indies, it's just such a random schedule. So, yeah, I stream, but I'm not like super into it. Actually, what I like Twitch the best for is it reminds me, it's the closest thing I feel like you can get in modern times to old school couch gaming, where you're just like on a couch with your friends, like playing something, cracking jokes on each other. So like, if anything, uh, streaming and everything, like it keeps me connected to the world. Like With that though, is it like a lot of wrestlers do it? Because it seems like it's a popular thing amongst wrestlers to be streaming. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are. Brandon Cutler, Colt Cabana. Uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of wrestlers that stream. But there's a whole bunch of everybody, I think, that streams now these days. Like, because, like I said, even if you're not like a huge streamer, there's a trillion subscribers or whatever, like, it just is a fun little way to hang out with people. When you do that, though, is it like all wrestling fans communicating with you, or is it just like fans of, of video games playing with you? You know what I mean? Well, a mix of both. 
So, like, yeah, some of them will be, like, you know, fans of mine from wrestling, or some of them will just stop in because they like it, like the game you're playing, you know what I mean? Yep. When I see how you play Elden Ring or whatever. So it, it, it's a mix of both. So with, you know, th- that kind of video game stuff, can you make money? Is that, like, a profitable thing or just for fun? Uh, you can. Like, I don't make very much. Like I said, I'm not that big. But there's some guys, like, I know Evil Uno has a good, good following. I think Colt Cabana. Uh, oh, man, what's his name? There, there's one guy that I heard that he's making, like, 300000 a year off. I can't Whoa. remember. I'm totally making the name right now. So you definitely can make money off of it. But yeah, you, people, actually, you know what? People need to start subscribing to me, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm not proud <laughs> Yeah, do that. You know, and, uh, screw everything I just said about it being a hangout. No, it is a business. Come subscribe. Jack Evans Official, Twitch TV. No, I'm just kidding. But, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Pump it up. Yeah, get some that's people on. what I need to do. Yeah. So you, you mentioned ROH and, and Teddy Hart being a little bit of malcontent. Did you and Samoa Joe, because that's always been like rumor, you and Samoa Joe had this backstage fight back in the day. I think it was like 03 or No, oh, it was not a fight. No, when we got in the back again, I had nothing to do with anything that happened in the ring. Well, uh, Jim Cornette actually takes Ted aside and is talking to him or whatever, and Samoa Joe sees me and is just like pissed and starts yelling at me or whatever. So I start yelling back at him, but it was not a fight. Like I just didn't want to back down and you know be a little coward. But no, there was I was not squaring up with Samoa Joe and like. <laughs> I mean, try to go Tyson on him or something, yeah. and then, uh, and then, like, but by the time the night was over, like, I think we'd already talked or whatever. But no, we just had a screaming match, and that was it. It definitely was not a fight. It might not have won that one. I don't know. Yeah, uh, especially at that time, man. Joe's freaking like hardcore training and, and like jujitsu MMA, all that. So, yeah, probably not. How'd you get into ROH though, to begin with? Was it because of Stampede and they they got you know they they recognized you and like you and Teddy were brought in together or how does that happen? Teddy got brought in and I don't know what happened, but uh, for that six man scramble or the uh, scramble cage madness, the I don't know if a guy dropped out or what, but the, he needed a partner and then he recommended me and then they just flew me in and that was it. So you've known him obviously forever, right? Uh, Teddy, like since you were a kid, since the year two thousand. Okay, so we, right as you're probably getting into the business, right? Yeah. Who was yeah. like your trainers then? Was he one of them? Um, kind of, but not really, because he had a school, but it was actually run by T.J. Wilson, Tyson Kidd, WWE, and like Harry would help do some training and stuff. He was only super young; he was like fifteen, sixteen at the time. Harry Smith. And then, uh, but my original trainers, it was actually the guy Tim Flowers in Tacoma, Washington, but he was kind of a ripoff promoter. Like, he didn't really teach anything. He was like, you were basically like paying to backyard wrestle, you know what I mean? But yep. then Brian Alvarez, like, figure four fame, he would come in usually on like Saturdays or whatever, and he would show all the guys the basics and everything out of the kindness of his heart because, like, he knew the, but he knew like what was going on. Like he knew it was a ripoff promoter. It wasn't anything legit. So like he tried to at least make sure the guys got some kind of base level of knowledge. Pretty good of him to go in there and, and do that, right? I mean, that's that was nice yeah. of him. Obviously, now he's doing good with Meltzer over there, Figure Four. Yeah. So with the hearts, I mean, you guys have somewhat of a connection. It just seems like through the years. It's like, you know, Evans and Hart always together, or you and the Hearts. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that a blessing or, or a curse? Uh, I, just to think it depends on the situation. Sometimes it could be a blessing, but then a lot of times it could be a curse just because there's that, like, guilt through association. Like, or like Ted would do something and the people come up and ask me about it, and I'd have zero knowledge, but it looks like I'm kayfaving them for him. Or, you know, so, like, there could definitely be some bad parts to it. But I mean, for the most part, I think it was like lateral move didn't matter either way. When you get an ROH and I know you have that stuff, but I think the stuff that sticks out to me is generation next. When they put you together, Roddy strong and Aries and Shelly, 
did you think that was going to work? Because remember, there was some controversy, obviously, with with RF video and, and all that other stuff. So they needed to kind of make some change. And you guys stepped up. Did you kind of sense that you guys were really stepping up and helping ROH kind of succeed and, and really kind of turn the corner? I didn't actually realize, like, I, I honestly thought it would just be like a, like a nice little stable or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have an image of it failing. I don't want to say that. But I didn't think Gen Next would get as big as it did for a little while. But uh, I think Gen Next worked because uh, almost how like uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles works, where they just have their individual personalities so much. So uh, w when I look back at it, I actually think that like uh, the Gen Next formula is kind of the way to go when you're putting together a stable. Like you get some very unique people that don't step on each other's toes, character-wise and everything, but. No, I had no clue Gen X would be as successful as it was. It's funny because there was like that eight man in Philly that I was at. And it was like, oh, let's you know, let's see what happens here. Guys tore the house down. It was awesome, and it was like, wow, ROH just kind of was able to somehow keep the momentum despite losing some guys to TNA and despite the RF controversy. Right? I mean, you guys kept rolling at that point. Yeah, and like even they lose an armory, and they just set up a tent. Like at that point, like yeah. ROH would let nothing stop them at that point. Like. Yeah, that's true, though. Like, the day of the show, like, they couldn't use this. I think it was an armory or something. I don't know what was going on with yeah, that. Yeah, in Philly. Yep. Uh, oh, was that the Philly show you were just talking about? Yeah, yep. Yeah, that was the eight-man. And, okay, that's one yep. of the very few times you could ever see Jack Evans do a shooting star. Really? Yeah. I, uh, when I first started out, hey, I, just, I do not like shooting stars. Why it's kind of ugly and sideways. But... Uh, when I first started out, Ted did shooting stars and like I did like the 450s and 630s, and we were always teaming together. So I just like stopped doing shooting stars altogether for you know a decade, however long I tagged with them. And then, like, now I don't even know if I could do one, like, it's been so many years. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Uh, that show is great. And it's funny because there was like an active armory, something going on. So they put it outside in the tent. It was weird. It was like almost cursed from the beginning, but it wasn't. It, it ended up being great. It was yeah, like then, couldn't, couldn't uh, hurt I it. think that tent is a great idea. It actually it, it was probably cheaper than renting a building if they would have gone for it. And it just it, it looked good on camera, if you ask me. Like it held. Yep the people well like I, I was a fan of that tent show we need more tent shows stop renting buildings promoters you rent tents yes, yes. the atmosphere was cool too you know because you know it's obviously yeah. it's outside but you're under the tent but the tent's huge i mean it's really cool i, I really enjoyed yeah. that show and you didn't know like if roh was going to succeed or go forward and it you know you guys hit a home run thanks to you know you gen next and really eventually you and roddy strong teaming together i love that team because it's like he does the power moves you do the high flying I mean, like you said completely different personalities yeah the, those were fun times we i'm so surprised there was always talk about us getting the tag titles and it never happened but uh he's one of my favorite partners i've had <laughs> and it's exactly that you just you don't step on each other's toes at all because you have completely different move sets you don't cut the same style promo you know what i mean like you're 100 separated like character wise why didn't you guys win the tag titles very very odd that you didn't there's always talk about it and i think it probably would have happened except i don't know if it was exactly around that time but Somewhere around that time, I started to go to Japan all the time. So that's why a lot of things never happened. Like the Vulture Squad, I when, when we had that uh, uh, our own little stable or whatever, it never got off the ground because at that point, I was doing like three-month tours in Japan and then one month back. So like there was just no way to really get anything going with that. So I just think it was that. I, I just I don't think it was any like – not something like nebulous, you know what I mean? Like, I just think it was like scheduling conflict or something because they're definitely game had plans to put the titles on us at one point. Were you we were, yeah, I think I'd say, except for the Briscoes, there was one point we were like the most over tag team, like, yeah. Absolutely. You guys were like over like road. I mean, the crowd would go nuts, especially for you. And then, you know, he'd do the backbreakers and stuff and they would go crazy. They, they, I mean, they were really into you. The Briscoes, obviously, probably the greatest team in ROH history, I would assume. Yeah, I but, think yeah. so. I mean, 
I, I think it's almost unquestionable if if you're just keeping it to ROH, like they're definitely the number one tag team. You enjoyed working them? Oh, immensely. Yeah, the Briscoes are great. Where in Japan were you working? Uh, Dragon Gate. Yep, Dragon Gate. What do you think of that? I mean, that style fits you perfectly, especially at that point. Oh, I loved Dragon Gate. That's still my favorite style of wrestling, like even to this day. And yeah, it did fit me perfectly. But uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I hope you did yeah, No problem. Oh, I caught a little bit of, I don't know, flu sickness, something. So that's why I'm like talking to you and blow my nose. But uh, I love the Dragon Gate. It's my favorite style to this day. And like, no promotion did fit me as well as that one. I'm trying to remember, what was it? Uh, was it Blood Generation? Sima was like the leader of and you were in it. Was that the group? Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, just all those guys, Yoshino. I mean, all those guys are awesome high flyers there. And I like the way they book it, Dragon Gate, with those where everyone has their own little group. Like, I mean, it's basically like a little gang, you know what I mean? So, like, your Blood Generation, like uh, Tozawa Juku, like they were the top three people, you know what I mean? So, I really like the way they booked how everybody had their own little stable. And then those stables would break off, maybe. You know, someone in it was trying to go for the open Dragon Gate title, and another part of the team was going for the tag team titles. But yeah, and they did come together for six man or whatever. I just thought it was a really good way of booking, you know, like with the, everyone as a stable. So you went over there for like three months? That would be the tour? Would it be three months at a time? Yep, it would be three months there, one month back, three months there, one month back, like exactly like that. You okay with like doing that? Was that okay, or was just you know you're doing it to to do uh, it? I mean, it seems uh, like crazy to me. No, I was totally fine with it at that time. Like I was a total road dog. Like I could and uh, Dragon Gate, like in those years, was running more than anyone else. So like they do these long tours where they go up like the west side of uh, uh, Japan and like all the way to Hokkaido, like north where it's snowy. Then they'd come down the east side into Okinawa, where it's like all sunny on the south side, and then like fly everybody home or whatever. So you'd have these super long tours, which is why I'd spend three months over there because you couldn't do a two month tour at that time with Dragon Gate because the way they toured was like like a garage band or something. Like they just got everyone on that bus and they just boom, 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 and hit up city after city after city, like. Do you like the Japanese, just the culture and everything, or, or is it a little bit of a culture shock for you? Oh, no, I love living in Japan. It was good. I mean, there are certain things that, that are the culture shock, obviously, because it's far different. But overall, no, I loved it over there. The only thing is they're almost, like, too organized for me, I want to say. Like, I was always, like, a little bit kind of sloppy and messy. And, like, over there, like... I don't, they're just efficient, like about everything, like right down to like the bread being uh, like when you buy store bought sandwiches, like they, I swear they have like a laser or something that just cuts the bread off or cuts the crust off the bread perfectly. You know what I mean? Like they're just super efficient and organized over there. And then you've me just not that all that. It's funny because like Japan, you're like in that culture. Here, you're ROH, TNA for a little bit, MLW, Wrestling Society X. I mean, you were kind of all over the place. And then Mexico, you really settled in. How did you get started to get booked down at AAA in Mexico? Uh, I broke my face and lost my job in Japan. And so I'd like take three months off, like just to recover from the surgery and everything. And then I think even a couple more after that, like fully heal. So, like, I had to move back in with my parents. I know my, you know, it was, like, one of those situations. And then Conan called me up and invited me down to uh, for a show in Mexico. But my first show here was in, like, a Cancun or something. Like, you know what I mean? So it was in, like, super, like, Paradise Beach City style. So, like, I went down there, and I was like, oh, I'm coming back here. I love it. I love it. And then so they brought me back to live, and I was like, oh, Mexico City is not quite the same as Cancun. <laughs> but no, I'm kidding. 
but so uh, but and then they, I'm sorry. So I loved it a lot when like after I did that first show, and then I wanted to come down to live because the I, I know this sounds cheap, but the cost of living was so much less down here that I was like the best possible lifestyle I could lead as a professional wrestler right now to the situation I'm in is in Mexico. So that's actually what first got me to move. And then I just really liked it. Like Mexico 100% fits me. Like Today's episode is brought to you by athletic greens. Our partner has a product. I literally use every day. I started using AG1 because I really didn't have the time to work out. I wanted better gut health. I wanted more energy. I want to optimize my immune system. I hate taking pills. I hate taking vitamins. But I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So I looked into Athletic Greens, and they are a lifestyle-friendly brand. It's whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. They contain one less gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. They support better sleep quality and better recovery. They support mental clarity and alertness. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small micro-habit with big benefits. AG1 is one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. It costs you less than $3 a day. Think about it. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. For each purchase, we will donate organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S., in 2020, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. Right now, to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one year free. That is right, folks. One free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Did you always have a relationship with Conan? Like, where, how did he get you out of the blue? Uh, I just ran across him a couple times in Impact, or uh, like it was TNA back then, or Total Nonstop Action. Uh, I'd like ran across him a couple times there or something. So like, uh, I I knew him, and I we'd actually hung out a little bit, but nothing like too crazy. But then he, I think they just needed somebody, and they, he just had my number. I got. Are you saying? They say cost of living and stuff. I mean, do you know? Uh, did you know Spanish at that point, and do you know it now? Like, how did you adjust to the language and everything and the culture? No, my Spanish still sucks now, but yeah, I can, I can speak it. Man, I have such problems with the verbs in the past tense, like tenía or a tenido and all this. But uh, no, then I didn't know anything at all. But uh, when you're in another country, like you can get by so well with like just like pantomiming stuff. <laughs> that like even when I first got here and I like didn't know anything like you, you could just get by like it, it wasn't that hard and then like that you could always find someone that'd be like a Joe Leader around or something that spoke English and so yeah it wasn't that hard to get by even when I spoke nothing. So you like AAA? Obviously, it seems like Lucha Libre is would be your style. I know obviously the. Dragon Gate Japan is your style too, but it seems like Lucha Libre fits right up your alley. Yeah, a hundred percent. It actually didn't at first because if you ever notice Jack Evans matches, the spots are like shorter, and then I just do like crazier stuff. I don't have as much. I don't want to call it filler. It's not the right word. But the Lucha Libre, the spots are really long, and I first came here as a heel, so I'd have to remember the spots of multiple faces. 
And like, I, I actually wasn't that good at taking, I'm a king at taking head scissors now, but back then, like I wasn't very good at uh, taking head scissors and stuff. So it actually took me a little while to adjust and they got in Mexico, they trained both sides. But when I first got here, taking right arm arm drags was like a, a, a killer. Like I could my mind just couldn't wrap my head around taking a right arm arm drag. So like it's it's so petty and stupid, but the so many arm drags got messed up by me when I first got here because of that goddamn right arm. So yeah, it did actually take me a little while to get used to uh, lucha libre, but now at like one hundred percent, I like understand I can do it. I did some training years ago, and it was funny. It was like they were showing the lucha libre style, and it was like the right arm drags. You like you couldn't get used to it, like you said. And then it was like the circling. You circle right. All the guys were circling opposite left. So it's like you almost like were running into each other because one of them's doing the lucha libre style, one of them's doing the right. They kind of circle differently too. But that's the thing in Mexico. Like nearly everyone actually trains both ways. So if you ask. Like, if you specifically request, like, someone that can actually do a left arm arm drag on you, except when it comes to their, like, big fancy ones. Those ones are, like, almost exclusively right arm arm drags. So if you're just running in, like, a normal spot, they can do it with the left or whatever. But if they're trying to do these big Mystico style, you know, jump, jump, spin, whatever, they almost always will give you it with the right. So the, that was uh, a big problem is that you can get up left or right for me. I'm probably going to get like with my move set. It doesn't matter that much, but there's specifically the arm drags because being a heel, you got to put over the face, obviously. And these crazy, you know, lucha arm drags and all, like, all the spins and stuff to do like, that's their thing. That's their shine. And then as a heel to mess that up just because of you were to work the right side. Like it was pretty embarrassing for a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Kind of gets a little bit, uh, you know, you got to get used to it. But when you're down there too, you know, we were talking about Samoa Joe a fight earlier, but Juventud Guerrero, that's something that also comes up a lot. You had a fight with Juventud. Is that yeah. true? He had a whole bunch of heat with the locker room. Like someone crapped in his bag. Like there's like I had nothing to do with any of that. But he would blame it on Conan. And Conan had just had like a hip replaced or something like that. And who has this chair. He's acting like he's going to hit Conan with it. And then I just ran up and I wasn't having it. I was like, get out of here. Hoobie. So I actually just pulled him by the back of his hair and like pulled him down, like in the locker room. Oh, down these little steps that were in the locker room. And I just thought it was going to be over or whatever. But then he charges at me and I get him in like a front face lock and he bites me. And then right after that bite, that's when like everything really went down. But, like, the Hoovy thing, a lot of times get asked, it wasn't like this ambush or something where, like, all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like, he just gets locked in a room with, like, with a whole bunch of people or something like that. Like, it was literally, he got pissed, someone crapped in his bag, threatened going out with a chair. I grabbed him, pulled him by the hair, like, come on now. Like, he's like, that's just not happening. Like, literally just had surgery a week ago. And then, uh, uh, and then he bit me, and then we got like a little fist fight that way. And the only outside interference in that fight, and I'll never forget it, and I'll rat him out right now, was Nicho Alvarado. When we first were going at it or whatever, we're like all tangled up. Like he was like, "Hey, separate! No, no, no! You can't fight! You can't fight!" And I was actually starting to let go, and all of a sudden, Nicho sneaks all these little uppercuts into Hoovy's face and walks away. And then I, like, I still this day, like, I it was like the shadiest thing I've ever seen anyone do. And I'm so happy with Micho because it fits him so well. But besides that, it was just like a normal little fight or whatever. But, but it wasn't this ambush that a lot of people seem to think. It, it was It was like a pretty much one-on-one except for a little cheap shot by Nicho. I think he's the one that said it was uh, like an ambush. Like he's the one that kind of was spreading it around. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, that, I, I think so too. But you know, I try not to bring it up because I'm I actually friends with him now. So I try not to bring it up because some of it, like he was going on the news with some crazy stories about how that fight happened, and it was just like, <laughs> like oh you know, man, like by the end of it, you'd think we have like knives to his throat or something like. But so, but I don't want I don't want to run knives bygones now. 
so your buddies now, even though back then maybe he was had like a diva attitude, I guess, or he was a little bit different back then. Yeah, he really did because he like just had gotten back to AAA not too long before I started there. And like he was just rubbing everyone the wrong way because he just thought that he should be main event number one, da, 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 like up there fighting. Stephen Etico was the what was like the main guy at that time. And uh, so he 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 just for that diva attitude. But then with me specifically, is when I came in, I'd want to do anything. And even if he wasn't in my match, he'd be listening. He'd be like, "Oh, you don't know that's my move." So I'd do like my little speaking. Oh, that's my move. I'd want to do like octopus. Oh, that's my move. And not even in the match. So we actually had had words multiple times before this fight had happened because he was. It was like the worst case of someone trying to eat your lunch you've ever seen in your life. And I know that he kind of does that. Oh, oh, and in the matches, he'd get his spot in and then he'd just cut out everything and go right to the finish. So no one else got anything, <laughs> uh, any of their moves in, like none of their yeah. faults, none yeah. of their nothing. And then just be like, uh, the crowd wasn't with it. We just, you know, I was feeling the people that weren't with it. We just had to go home. And it was, it was just, such BS. So and he would pull that, not just on me though, like on everyone, but I felt like I was extra targeted because I never saw him do this to anyone else where I'd be putting together my match and he would sit there and be listening in pretending that he's like trying to help translate and everything, whatever, but it, that wasn't the case at all. And then, so you're someone that's not even in your match telling what moves you can and cannot do. Like, like in a little <laughs> list. So there was already like major heat to me and Hooley before even like the whole crap in the bag incident. And in wrestling, if someone gets their bag crapped in, almost 100% of the time they have been doing something on a consistent basis that's been crossing the line. Like pissing somebody off. Yeah, he must be yeah, pissing somebody off. A lot of people. Because if if one guy just went solo and did that, the locker room will get mad at him. That's kind of if you get your bag crapped in, that means like everyone gave him the thumbs up. Like that's the yeah. ultimate. Like you know what I mean? Like, yep. So you had a good two like two year run as cruiserweight champion. I mean, you had almost two year run. I mean, you, you were a good singles competitor. They put you in a tag team. You win the tag title with Extreme Tiger. But I think everybody remembers you and and Helico. How did that team, the Sky Blondes, like how did you guys get together as a team? Multiple time tag team. Um, he was, had trained with uh, Ultimo Dragon right here in like Mexico City, but then he moved all the way over to Merida. It's like over super nice over in like the Kitana Roo or like, like over near Cancun and all that. So he actually wasn't really around the Mexico City wrestling scene. But then I, I just like some random house show or something. I don't know, but he was there. And uh, he actually – he did so good in his tryout match except for he went to do a dive, like a cross body over the post. And the worst – oh, man, he self-posted himself so bad into the pole. It was the craziest. I didn't think he was going to return off that alone. I was like, man, he did so good, so good with that one thing. And then just ended the shot, ended the shot. But, no, they, they did end up bringing him back. And then, like, literally it was uh, – uh, I kept jokingly calling us Los Huelos de los Cielos, like the like the Sky Blondes or whatever, uh, and uh, and actually that's improper Spanish. Don't make fun of me, but it sounds better because it rhymes. But anyway, uh, uh, and then from kind of that joking name, they actually like made us a tag team, and then it just went from there. So that just was you joking around saying it, it wasn't like their direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was joking around, and then. Uh, uh, and then they had the idea, like, kind of, okay, we'll make you a tag team. And then actually, they weren't going to use that name at first. So Conan has the list somewhere, but they all got together. They actually had an, after they decided to put us together as a tag team, they had a booking meeting. And I guess, like, for an hour, hour and a half or something, they brainstormed names to give us as a tag team. God, I wish Conan had, oh man. Uh, but, like, it was like the marvelous kids are the. Like, the, the Marvelous Kids, the, oh, I can't remember them all, but it was some of the worst names in the history of humanity. And then they got, they just went with Los Huelos, Los Huelos. So, but yeah, they actually had, uh, uh, it wasn't originally going to be that name. And they had, <laughs> the, the, oh man, the way 
Conan describes this meeting is like, he was like, I was so disgusted by how stupid the names they were coming up with. It was the <laughs> worst. But I just, the only one I remember is we were almost the marvelous kids or something like that. Or no, the wonderful kids. That was it. That, that was literally the, I don't know how I love Dorian. He's a great guy, whatever. But he's for some reason thought the wonderful kids were out of like in that meeting that that was enough that that was going to be our name that that was the winner of all the names that they decided so we were almost the wonderful kids <laughs> well, how does in that even english like, and everything and, like even though you know we'd be wrestling in triple a in mexico in english it's gonna be the wonderful kids weird how does that even like come up you know what i mean how does that come together that's odd i, I don't know i don't and then there was another one, though. What was it? It wasn't as bad. Like those intercontinentalities, or something. I'm totally said that wrong. But like we're gonna be the intercontinentals or something like that. Uh, I can't remember all the names, but most of them were horrible. So it's funny, like you guys, you know, we're even teaming together when you guys got to AEW. Obviously, the hybrid too. Where does that name come? Did you guys make that name up or did, that AEW? Uh, they wanted us to have a new name, and then so we had to brainstorm all the names, and then uh, I can't remember in Helico's list. Mine were all like these cyberpunk names, especially because even though I was, it was the most disappointing game of my life, I was super hyped up. I love the cyberpunk genre, like yeah. You know, Shadowrun, Lonely Civil Drive, like all those. But and so I was super hyped up. The cyberpunk game was coming out. And uh, so I had all these names like the Neon Abyss. And, like I had all these like, weird cyberpunk names or whatever. And uh, and Helico had all these separate ones. Uh, I don't, you know, just like random. It didn't really have a theme or whatever. So he actually came up with the hybrid too because he, sat, he thought it sounded kind of like a combination of my little uh, of my cyberpunk obsession that was going on at that time and what oh i remember what his names were he wanted uh, a name that could be easily and uh, e uh, a very catchy three letters it's like th2 like da 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 like that so he didn't actually care about what the name was he cared about how cool the initials sounded and so that's how th2 came up because it was like cyberpunky like i wanted and then yep. he liked the initials what'd, oh. you think, what'd you think about working aew just in general what'd you think about tony khan like what'd you think about the, the league if you will uh, I really liked it. I mean, it was a great experience. And uh, Tony was a great boss. The only complaint I could ever make about Tony for sure is he is like the most king of last minute mind changes. And that, that, that would be my one complaint about him as a boss. But other than that, like he was always actually very fair. Like he didn't, uh, like I don't know, like he, you always hear these stories about Vince uh, that I, he is like has to be the alpha in the room or whatever. And you better bow down to that. Like Tony wasn't like that. You can go up and talk to him. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know he's the boss, but I mean, he, he was never like that. So, yeah, when it comes to AEW, it was all pleasant experiences. And then when it comes to Tony as a boss, it was a pleasant experience as well. Like I said, the only complaint I, I could have was the. Just the king of the last minute mind change. So you'd have something. This is how something's going to happen. This is what's going to be said or done or yada yada yada. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like you email or or even at the show, just, it'd be changed. Do you have something? Do you remember that that happened with like a storyline or something? Uh, well, the one it wasn't the last minute because it just kept stopping and going. What uh, was we were supposed to start doing dark storylines like the angles on dark mm -hmm. and it was supposed to start out oh, oh, oh I, I didn't forget to say that no what okay everyone I've been informed that uh, <laughs> I have to tell you that I met my wife and met one of us was uh, why are you married because you oh, oh no I'm sorry I stayed in Mexico not because of uh in but <laughs> being the the best economic opportunity for me but because of my wife oh there you go yes <laughs> sorry sorry that was, that was a mistake yeah. I was lying earlier I was lying okay <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but we, so we were supposed to start having an angel club dark, and then uh, like it, it would happen, and then it wanted that something get changed, and it get delayed, and canceled, and brought back, or whatever. So it's not like the best example of a last minute mind change, but like it, it kind of is, just because like you'd keep thinking you'd have something in your head, and then all of a sudden, oh wait, no, that's not happening, and then it was, and then it wasn't. And even now, though, not to get off subject, I really think they should have angles on dark i don't think dark should just be the jobber show but yeah absolutely and elevation you got to use it to you mean you only have certain tv time between rampage and dynamite so might as well use dark and dark elevation to get some more angles going exactly i heard someone who actually use this term and i liked it a lot but you only have so much real estate and like tv like they said tv time and so like anything you can do to get uh, someone's like character out there. I really think you should. And the developmental talent, all of a sudden, if you bring them up and they're going to be thrown on national television and have to cut these angle or, you know, have to cut promos and stuff about them, like it's a learning experience. It's not something most people could just instantly do is just go in front of a thousand people and, you know, like cut a promo like that. Yep. And so I always think that uh, if you had angles on dark, then people that you do that see yourself investing in in the future, you know what I mean? If you're Tony or in the office or whatever, you can give them practice right then and there so they don't have to, you know, baptism by fire right on the main show, you know what I mean? So I always think the angles on dark, not only just to make dark a better show, but literally uh, practice because, like, yeah. there's more to, like, uh, doing an angle than just, you know, you go in there, you like, there's, there's a whole bunch that goes into it and you really have to kind of experience and know the, the in and outs. Like, because you, you have to, if you're in like a death feud with someone, you have to wrestle them differently next time you're on TV than you do if it was just a normal match or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to have different mannerisms in the ring and how aggressive you are, how you don't, you don't start chain wrestling, you're going to start brawling or something. And like those are little things that I think you have to learn with experience. And I think they could give that experience on dark. So guys don't have to like possibly just embarrass themselves on national TV because sorry because they don't really have experience to know the in and out so something like that yeah they don't have their footing yet or something yeah i know what you mean absolutely so is tony approachable i mean is tony khan like an approachable guy mm -hmm. oh yeah he hangs out out uh after the show like all the time he's extremely approachable so i mean if uh like, if you wanted to pitch an angle to even though it'd be weird because he'd be hanging out with other people or whatever, but, like, you could just go right up and pitch, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to, like, well, I need a meeting at Tuesday on 7 or something like that. Like, yeah, you can right. just go up and talk to him about it. And he really likes talking wrestling, so it's not, it, it, you know what I mean? It's not even, like, one of those things where you'd have to, like, like, like you know, if you're hanging out with Tony, you'd have to change the conversation all about that. Right? He's probably already talking about wrestling. Like he really is a true fan. So I think I'd say the only thing he likes more than wrestling is uh, the Fulham team. I do think Fulham is his true passion, even over AEW. I'll be honest, but he definitely has a real true love for wrestling. Yeah, it seems like he's you know a, an old school fan. I mean, he he's been around you know the the dirt sheets, if you will. But you know, he's been around the message boards and stuff. I mean, he knows the ins and outs of wrestling, and you know, he's a tape trader, collector. So he's definitely was a big fan. Is a big fan. Yeah, he knew all like the early and mid two thousands ROH and stuff. So like, yeah, it's not like it one day it was like, yeah, I'm just I like wrestling now. Like it has been a long term thing. Yep. So, when they do the like the hair versus hair match, Orange Cassidy Dynamite, whose idea is that? Like, did you want to do that? Did they want to do that? Because hair versus hair to me in Mexico, I mean, that's a huge deal, and they were yeah. just kind of like throwing it together. I'm sorry, but dinner just came. I probably should have waited. No, no problem. Um, no, that was me, but. Uh, it, you, it should have been a bigger deal, but that was even kind of my fault because, in all honesty, I threw it out there because it had been so long since we had been on Dynamite. We didn't have any angles really going on. We kind of just like hung out with HFO or whatever. 
So I wanted to pitch that because I thought I could get a pay-per-view match out of it. So that that's actually – I was the one that came up with the hair match, and I was hoping, yeah, I'd get a pay-per-view match out of it. It ended up only being on Dynamite, but – uh, which I was fine with because it worked out because it did get us, you know, on Dynamite a little bit more of an egg stuff, but it definitely wasn't as successful as I'd hoped. I wanted it to be a longer feud, like a month-long feud, basically, that ended with uh, me losing my hair to Orange Cassidy and and Helico Wrestling, like who had like someone associated with Orange Cassidy. Like, you know, maybe Utah or something like that. But like, I wanted it to be like a little TH2 versus Orange Cassidy and someone feud from just a little quick month long one. But to me, hair versus hair in Mexico, I mean, it's a huge deal. So it's almost like you're right. It's got to be built up more than it was, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. Usually you'd always want it to be. But like I said, I was just like trying to scramble for ideas for like how to get us on TV. And I, like I said, even getting trying to get a pay per view out of it. So. What do you think? Uh, yeah, actually, it would have been a much, much bigger deal. What do you think about the Hardy family office? That just seemed like a weird grouping of throwing some guys together to guess. I maybe get some guys' TV time. Maybe. Uh, I honestly think that's what it became, but I think that there was initially a uh, um, what is it like a vision for it? And I think almost Matt Hardy was going to be like a. Like a better call, Sal, like scumbag lawyer, but scumbag agent almost. Yeah, and he was gonna have these separate groups or whatever that weren't like they were part of the HFO, but they were kind of their own thing. And I just don't think it worked out. I just think it kind of became where like we're just one giant schmoz crew. You know what I mean? Like, but I think the initially the plan was more for it to be almost like. Like, like, you know what I mean? Well, we're clients of the scumbag agent. You know what I mean? We don't necessarily, like, we might even fight each other. Like, right. Did you enjoy your time overall in uh, AEW? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was good. So, why, like, the release or let go or the contract ran out? Like, what was the situation there? What happened? Uh, no, I told the story a lot. There's a lot of it was my fault, is I just got lazy as sin. I was out of shape, and like, like if you're booking and paying Jack Evans, you're expecting like crazy high flying stuff, and like I got so out of shape, I wasn't even able to like do you know my own style or whatever. Like, like you're saying earlier, I was wrestling like people that I'm ashamed to be grouped up with. I was wrestling really bad, and then uh. And then at the same time that that was happening, that I was just kind of off the ball, is the roster grew huge. Like, at one point, I think it had over 100 people signed, like, without even any exaggeration. So when it gets that big, you know, eventually there's got to be cuts. And, then like, I, I can't even disagree with them, you know what I mean? Like, at that point, I would have cut me too. So the cuts had to be made, and I was just was part of that. So was the contract up, or you were just outright released? Oh, no, no. The contract was up. I'm sorry. When I say cut, they, they didn't actually end my contract early. No, I really like the style that AEW does where if they sign you for three years, like uh, barring there's no like incident, then they keep you that three years. So they may not use you. You may be stuck at home, but you still get whatever you were guaranteed. You know what I mean? They don't. Yeah. They don't. At least as far as I know, they don't do like early releases. Just, oh, we don't want you no more. Get out of here. Like it's if we have you, if we agreed to this amount of time, you're here this amount of time. Like, so for me, no, it, it wasn't actually cut. It was uh, I wasn't re-signed. That is kind of like a breath of fresh air because WB sometimes you'll hear like a guy gets his big deal, then you know, like Bray Wyatt or something, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he gets released. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that is very good that Tony does that and makes sure it's the guy's contract. You know, he obliges the contract. He fulfills to the end of the contract. That's a good thing. Yeah, I really, I mean, it helped me out a lot because, like, I kind of knew I was, like, in, not in the dog had made it sound like I had, like, mass amounts of heat, but I kind of knew I was going to be getting cut early. And so, uh, it, just not being instantly released, you know, like that week or whatever, it, just, it allows you to plan, you know what I mean, for, for the future without being signed, so... Yeah, absolutely. Would you be open to going back if if that you know if that opportunity arose? 
Of course, who doesn't want to be on the salary contract? Come on. No, yeah, I, I mean, I'd go back in, in, a, in a hot second, but I don't see that happening just because even though I am way more on the ball and everything, uh, I'm, I'm not like all out of shape as I was and everything. Uh, they still have that giant roster. Yeah. So, uh, I, like, if I was them, I, I, I don't want to say they should cut or release people because you don't want anyone to get released, you know what I mean? You want everyone to make as much as they, they can from wrestling. But I definitely would not be expanding the roster anymore at this point. So, I mean, I, I'd love to go back, but I just, I, from business wise, like, if I'm, like, I'm a third person looking at the situation, I don't think they should be signing anyone. So. So why'd you get out of shape though? Because it seemed like maybe some bad luck there with some, you know, some botches or whatever you want to call them. There was some of that involved too. But was that because you were out of shape? And why did you get it, or how did you get out of shape? Uh, a lot. Of, well, some of them were just bad, whatever. A lot of them don't work because I was out of shape, and it happened. Everything was going good, and then they closed the border to Mexico for four months, so I didn't wrestle or do anything at all. Then I came back and I had one match, and then. Uh, practice like in practice, I broke my face and I had to take another like month and a half or two months off, or whatever. and just all that like downtime. I just like I got lazy, and then like I but I'm on the salary, so I don't really have this like motivation. Like, oh, I gotta wrestle my hardest to get bookings or whatever, you know what I mean? So, I, I it just was a combination of all that downtime and then. Again, I love being on the salary, but it also ruined me because when you have constant money coming in, like it really just destroyed my need to to give it my all or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it, it just straight out made me lazy. So, uh, so yeah, like those. I, I wish I had a better reason, but that's just really it. The COVID layoff when they closed the border to Mexico. Uh, between Mexico and America, and then the layoff from when I broke my face, and then like I just never came back after that. Or I started to at the end when I when I knew I was like I don't think I'm getting these. I don't know. Da, da, da. You know, then you start panic working out and doing all that. But uh, so, so towards the end, I started to like improve and get back into shape and everything. But it was too little, too late at that point. I figure something was off, like because you know it's not the normal Jack Evans that we were you know used to seeing, uh, you know the crazy high fire and stuff. So I figured something had, you know had had to be off. So definitely that layoff. It, I mean that killed you. No, no doubt. Yeah, about that. it really was just like unadulterated <laughs> laziness. I wish I had a better answer. Like I mean, I could blame on the COVID layoff and everything, but like. Yeah. Even then, like I had so much time to come back and get the swing of things, and I just did it. So as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish here. What do you think people think of when they you know, say Jack Evans? To me, like innovator, six thirty, crazy high flying, trample cages, doing all this crazy stuff. But what do you think you know people think of when they think of Jack Evans? Yeah, mainly I think the crazy high flyer. I think is going to be the uh, uh, like modern day Sabu style high flyer. I think almost uh, at this point, where it's just one of those guys that threw caution to the wind and like you know. Kind of innovated, sometimes messed up, but you know, I, I always tried stuff. So yeah, crazy high flyer. I, I mean, I think that's the most accurate statement about me. What's next for you? What do you got coming up? Uh, bookings wise, uh, August thirteenth, I will be in Dallas with 3CS Wrestling, Wrestling Deranged, my old friend from New York. Uh, former, he was part of OH. He probably, oh yeah, he yeah. Him. yeah, yeah, yeah. Special K. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, and then after that, I just can't remember. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the I'm the worst. I'm the worst with selling myself out. Oh, no, no but, contracts coming up. Like it's just going to be indies and and you know kind of go from there. Yeah, uh, as of right now, because uh, the thing is, if you're not. With one of the bigger companies, usually how contracts work with the smaller companies is you still are on a pay per date basis, but you can't, you know what I mean? The, you can't wrestle here, can't wrestle right. there, can't yep. wrestle TV, whatever. Yep. And I hate those contracts because it's so one sided. So, I mean, I'd I, I, I try to avoid any kind of contract unless it is like from an AEW or something where you're guaranteed something. Because. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the the smaller promotions, the contracts are just 
complete crap, like, truthfully. With AAA, bad relationship? Because I know you probably haven't worked there for two or three years. Was there a, a bad breakup or a bad relationship with AAA? Can you, or can you go back? No, actually, I was actually looking to go back, and I don't have any problem with anyone there. And then just uh, me and Conan, this is just something that we always do, though. Like, since the beginning of our history, we got in a little spat, and I haven't talked to him. So, like, I, I would love to go back to AAA, and I wouldn't doubt if it happens. But it's one of those things where, like, just because I got this huge argument, not even huge argument with this little thing with Conan, like, I have to, like, swallow my pride and make that call. I'm not yeah. ready to do that yet. I'm not ready to do that. All right. Yeah, we <laughs> we got to see you back in AAA. Yeah, come on. But, yeah, I yeah, know. But no, Conan's right. I'm not talking shit about Conan, but we always do this. Like, he's my big brother, but he would always, always, always have some kind of fight. Now, before we let you go, give us all the uh, the plugs, the the social media where everybody can find you, see you, get at you. Give us uh, the socials for Jack Evans. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Evans Seven Eleven. I'm on Instagram as Cool Ass Jack, and the easiest place to find me is Twitch Jack Evans Official. And every Friday, we do Fighting Game Friday, which we get together and we uh, play usually Tekken, some fighting games. So everyone's invited on that. And yeah, that's about it. We got to get you away from being lumped in with all those bad high flyers and get you back yeah. into the Jack Evans category we know <laughs> yeah. you're at. Yeah, that no, ricochet level. That's where we need to get you yeah, back. Okay, at. That's, the, that's the goal. We're getting Jack Evans to the ricochet level. I'm coming for you, Rick. You uh, <laughs> Hold on. I just want to let everyone know. That as good of Ricochet is as a wrestler, he is not as a Mortal Kombat player. Jack Ooh. Evans went seventy-seven and zero against Ricochet <laughs> in a sort of group wrestling through the ground. So nice. Uh, in wrestling, I'd love to be on the Ricochet level. In fighting games, he'd love to be on mine. Yes, nice. Jack, thank you so much uh, for all the time. I really appreciate it. Oh no, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to interview. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.